Hello and welcome back to the Mr. Jones Watchers podcast. In this episode, we talk to Honorio DePiro, designer of Number Cruncher, Robotishi, and The Watchful Ones. We'll be asking everything from how he started his career to what inspires his designs. Hello, hi Olivia, how are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, good, thank you. How are you finding lockdown? Um, it's 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 not actually too bad for me if I'm honest. Um, it's terrible what's happening, obviously, but um, it's definitely slowed things down for me. But um, I'm kind of lucky in the sense that I'm set up at home. I've got my own studio, so things have quieted down. But um, I can carry on creating. I can carry on designing. So I am quite fortunate in that side of things. The illustration and the designing isn't my full-time job. I'm an art technician, so I'm um, at a college. So it's uh, it's still continuing on that front. But it, for my own artwork, um, I've just had to accept that, you know, things have gone quiet and um, it's, it's absolutely fine. I'll just continue designing things and continue making things ready for um, when things go back to normal, if that's the right <laughs> word to use of going back to normal. Yeah. So have you been furloughed from your technician? No, um, it, as a in a education, um, we're kind of we get set our budgets out at the beginning of the year, so we're we're kind of okay in that sense and continuing to work. So um, no, we're okay at the moment. We just don't know what will happen next year when when we reopen as a college again. Yeah. So just to start the interview off, how did you come to design for Mr. Jones Watches? Well, I've always been fascinated with watches so ever since I was a kid. And um, I've always just loved the way they're built. Being a maker, I love the way they're built. And I love all the intricate pieces. Um, being an art technician, I don't have the luxury of wearing a watch a lot because I always seem to scratch them or mess them up. But it hasn't stopped me wanting to design one. So over the years, I've always been on the lookout for a company that I could work with to help me bring one of my designs to life. But um, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff, if you go online, it's only things that you can upload a template, um, which is great. It's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I have given that a go. But um, I always crave that kind of um, relationship of working with a team of creative people and problem solving, coming up with ideas um, and just going through the design process. But um, I was in London one day, this is a couple of years back, just walking down Oxo Tower and Mr. James Watcher were holding their 10 year anniversary and um, my girlfriend actually pointed it out to me and I was like wow this is so weird I was like this is amazing so we went in there and they had the pad printer on display and I, I can't remember exactly but I think people were even allowed to have a little go pressing and just sort of having a go at it but they were showing you how the pieces were made how they were printed um, it's amazing you do not think that these things go into what you just think yeah it just goes for a, you know it's just printed or whatever I, I, I hadn't even yeah that. I definitely thought that yeah this it's that kind of and being a maker I kind of should have <laughs> looked into that a bit more but I never did I just kind of <laughs> thought that's how watches are made you know someone paints them or you know you know by, by hand or whatever I thought it was just a machine like you just yeah like I don't printer. know I just thought it was so easy absolutely yeah. so you got to see that and then the best thing is that um because everything is printed one at a time they, they displayed it on the wall of all the um stages which was just like this is crazy so I was talking to some people who work for Mr Jones uh, asking them and I did ask do you work with other artists and someone said yeah you know if we like your work and it's suitable suitable for the company yeah definitely so sending some submissions um so I was like right I was so happy I was like I found the right company now all I have to do is try to convince them to let me work with them so <laughs> I went back home and I sent a couple of emails and luckily 
Crispin got back to me and um, he said, yep, come down, let's meet you. And yeah, I was really, really chuffed. And luckily I've been able to make some pieces with you guys. That's great. So how did you start your career as an illustrator? Um, it's really funny you say illustrator. Cause, um, I, I wouldn't class myself as an illustrator. I put it down because... I guess I draw, so I'm an illustrator, but I kind of feel like I'm cheating because to me, an illustrator... Are you like a model maker? Exactly. I'd say, because I went to uni to do it as well, I'd say I'm more of a maker than a drawer, but obviously everything started off as drawing. As I was a kid, I wanted to be a comic book illustrator. I wanted to kind of do sort of comic books and little drawings. I like things like the Beano and the Dandy and all them kind of things. So I started doing that, but as I got older, I kind of, um, I thought, I want to start making these things rather than drawing them. So I actually literally transferred my skills of illustrating to making. So it was just thinking in 3D. Luckily, I was able to do it. So I'm a little bit of an all-rounder. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't, I, it's, I, feel, I feel like I'm cheating if I call myself an illustrator. Because to me, an illustrator is like people who do beautiful books, like with backgrounds. Or I don't know, that might be really offensive to people. I'm sure you have to like draw your models yeah. before you make them, don't you? It's, so I'm sure you can call yourself whatever you want. <laughs> this is another thing. I don't sometimes if I'm doing my own personal projects, I don't touch pen to paper for ages. I build everything in my head. And I, I found myself I'd be really interested to know if other people do this. I build stuff in my sleep. It's sad. I'm so sad, I really am. But I don't get much sleep. I normally build stuff in my sleep and I come up with all the problems. And then when I'm sort of like, yeah, that's gonna work, then I sort of go, well, I'm gonna dedicate some time just to make it. Because if I can't make it in my head, I'm like and already don't even bother trying because you're just going to get yourself really wound up and upset. So, <laughs> so I you try and you try and visualize it first. Yeah, yeah, and try to literally like cut the pieces in my head. I glue them, and sometimes if I have yeah. to glue stuff for paint, yeah, it's just it's weird. I go through this whole sort of trance in my head. And what was your university course? Did you say model making? I did model design and special effects at Hertfordshire and it was it was fantastic. It's like a really, really good course. I don't know if they still do that now. I think they've changed it. So it's a bit more specialist, but um, it was brilliant. And it kind of it gave me the confidence and um, it kind of unlocked that crave that I had that I wanted to make stuff now as well as draw it. Have you, have you always made like uh, robots and monsters like did you find that on your university course or were you making other type of things? Yeah, no, I was I was making robots and monsters. Um, I don't know why I make them. People ask me, why do you like robots? I really don't know. I guess it's to do with my childhood. Um, I used to sneak downstairs as a kid because I learned to use the video recorder. Um, and my mum said that I used to always sneak down and like, record old horror films or like stuff that I shouldn't be watching I don't know why they let me do it but is there one horror film that like sticks out to you that you Um, remember watching I'm kind of uh I liked all the kind of old Dracula films or the mummy films like yeah yeah them kind of things that if I try google them now I wouldn't be able to find them but um I still have memory of like a genre yeah, I have the memory of the clips though in the film, like some really weird films. But I also like things like Robocop. I don't know if I've got the robots from there. I mean, that's where I started to really go, wow, mm-hmm. them things are built and I want to do that. Um, and things yeah. like Aliens as well. But I guess if you go to a model making class, every single person's going to say that or Star Wars. Um, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess that's maybe where I got the robots from. But um, I, I entered the world of designer toys after a while as well. That was, um, it's like art collectibles for toys. They're becoming a lot more common. Like if you would have said that ages ago, people wouldn't have known what that was. But it's kind of like these mm-hmm. little 
collectible figures that cost an absolute fortune. But um, I started... I, um, sorry, I typed oh, your name into yeah. YouTube and something came up. Was, was it like you on TV with a, mo- a model that you've designed that's or something. So cringe. That's my dad. <laughs> that is really. Cr- I know you put that. It was. Um, Have it you was, been on TV? I won that competition, and it, what it was is um, Paul Martin's Handmade Revolution, which was on BBC, and I think they were trying to do what they've got now which is like them like the bake-off and like the pottery ones that they have now it was kind of like that um I -hmm. don't know how successful it was but every evening um you'd have five people going up against each other who just make stuff created people around the UK and I came in with that robot and it it, must have stood out because I actually managed to win that episode and the prize was you got to exhibit and sell your work at the V&A museum which um, oh, wow. it was fantastic um, and one of my mine and a few others sold so I was really I'd love to know who bought that but I was really lucky in that sense but um, yeah when was that oh man that was a probably I reckon we must be coming up to eight or nine years ago maybe 10 years ago. it was I'm, I'm rubbish with dates it feels it's longer than five years ago it's quite a while yeah. ago um, but I, I don't belong and my hair's mental on that but I don't belong on tv <laughs> I'm bad <laughs> Are you working on a project at the moment? Um, I'm always working on projects um, constantly, a lot of the time for myself, um, just because I've got this crave to make stuff. I'm like, I'm addicted. Um, and it really worked out. Cause when I did finish uni, um, it, it hit a recession and I, I couldn't find any work. And it probably worked out better for me because it encouraged me to make my own stuff. Um, and I, I always make my own stuff. And it worked out well when I met you guys because... The first time I met Crispin and the team, they'd already had the opportunity to just look at this massive work that I've been putting together. And they'd found these little monsters in the city, um, which was perfect because they said, as soon as I walked in there, they went, we look for your work and this one, we think we, we, we kind of want to try this one out. And it actually ended mm-hmm. up being Number Cruncher. So that kind of always keeping busy and always just making stuff, even if you're not getting paid to do it, just for your own sake and putting stuff out there. I, if I was giving any advice, I'd be like, that's really good because it just gives potential employers something to look at. And it's always got something ready for you to show people when you meet them for the first time. For the project of the Monsters in Cities, did you do that for a particular project or did you just do it for yourself I, I I did it just for myself I'd seen someone who mixed um photographs with illustrations it's completely not you know I, I'm not the first person to do it it's, it's been done many many times and there's some really cool people out there that still do it um mm-hmm. so yeah I just did it for myself I was just like I want to give this a go um but every time I am making stuff there's always that intention of eventually selling it you know like even if it's yeah. a, print, a print or a one-off so I did it and I have sold I've sold a few at like exhibitions and little kind of design shows and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just <laughs> did it for myself. I'm sad. I just had to do it. <laughs> no, because it led to number cruncher. So it's positive, of course, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. And it, yeah, exactly. And it, they're just, I kind of liked it because it had no writing or anything. It was all just in the emotions of the, uh, the monster and it kind of gave a narrative as well. And, and exactly. Yeah, you're right. It, it led on to number cruncher. So yeah. I'm chuffed with that. Uh, was it challenging to change your work to fit a watch design? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yes, yes and no. Um, I guess mm-hmm. yes because uh, I'd never worked at that scale before. 
And I guess the hardest thing was it's having the rule set out of what the watch could do. Because this is another thing. I <laughs> this is how naive I am. Naive I am. I, I'm thinking, yeah, they just make the mechanism to go around the design. I mean, how crazy <laughs> is that? But obviously, Crispin and the team are fantastic. They showed me all the pieces and what I could do and what I couldn't do. So I had to hide certain areas of the watch, like the mechanisms underneath. Underneath, so, yeah. so you print obviously the number crunch on the glass, and he hides the mechanism. So um, the 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 challenging thing was that that I you know I had to be specific where I laid things out. The not so challenging thing was that I got so much freedom with the team; they are so trusting with me, um, especially in later designs. Um, I'm allowed to do whatever I want, and then I send it in and the feedback's brilliant it's like really honest and because of that we always get the best out of the design if someone doesn't like something from the team and it is shared out for the throughout the whole team if someone doesn't like something they'll air it or come back to me and it's always really positive mm-hmm. feedback which is fantastic i'd much rather be told we don't like the color of it or you know the the monster's not the right thing for this and if you look at the the evolution of number crunch the actual monster I would have been happy throughout certain times because obviously I'm drawing it. So I'm like, yeah, that, that seems right to me because of the great, because of the fantastic feedback, we eventually got to something that now I look back at the old designs and I go, they were not right. And the mm-hmm. feedback from the team was amazing. And we got the absolute best we could have from, from the actual, the monster. Yeah. I was going to ask um, how different do the final watches look to when you first did the first like drawing of them oh yeah massively at one point um i don't think it's ever gone out there at one point months uh, the number cruncher was um a, a sort of venus fly trap um and there was a little fly buzzing around on the screen i don't know to <laughs> know what i was thinking but i was just thinking of something eating something um and then yeah. and then um yeah we kind of went back but just the way the monster looks as well there's a couple of blog posts out there there's a pink version and he looks kind of funky looking. He looks more like a graffiti sort of drawing, um, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. But uh, yeah, it kind of felt like a kind of graffiti character to me. Something you see, you know, kind of more urban-y artwork. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, he changed a lot. Even just the little things like the length of his mouth just made such a difference. It made him a lot cuter and a lot more mm-hmm. adorable looking, even though he's a kind of ugly sort of looking thing. But um, it changed yeah. a lot. I, I often bring them up on the screen because I just like looking at stuff. Um, and it's just always nice to sort of, I, I just really love the design process of, of things and working with mm-hmm. you guys. So I'm quite sad to kind of reminisce on the, on the old times a little bit. Uh, I'm sure you'll do it again. So yeah. you don't need to reminisce. <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah. Uh, so could you just talk us through your design process? Yeah. So um, I try to meet people as much as I can. So it, if we just talk about Mr. Jones, um, if it's my own work, like I say, I just just do what I want in a way. And, I, you know, the sky's the limit, whatever I can achieve is sort of the limitations. Or if I've got the mo- enough money to sort of invest in that project, then they're my limitations because I'm getting some stuff printed. It's coming tomorrow, actually. Um, so I've just spent like 200 quid on a robot, which I'm not happy that I spent that much, but I had to do it. And uh, I'm in lockdown, mm-hmm. so I treat it myself. But if we're working with Mr. Jones watches, I always try to meet up with Crispin and the team. Again, I want to see all the components. I have to, because I, I do make stuff, I want to see everything. I want to see how it works, what I can and what I can't do. And I find it mm-hmm. really nice to sit down and talk to people as well, because uh, over email, sometimes 
you can't get as much stuff but you know you feel like you're asking so many questions you feel like you're bothering people a little bit but when you sit down talking it's a lot more relaxed and a lot more enjoyable um I ask all the necessary questions again if we've got anything that I've already sort of designed we'll look at that and we'll go these work so for watchful ones I'd always done these little little funny drawings of monsters just portraits so that was perfect because Crispin said we've got something that we want to use for eyes we're thinking your little monsters so I had a really good idea of what Crispin and the team wanted so it was fantastic but then it's again what can you do what can't you do um and how small can you go as well with detail because that pad print could do such beautiful things that's one of the things when I first saw uh, your watches I was so impressed with the detail um, so mm-hmm. again it's like what can how detail can I go and does it need to be that detail so we go through all the stages like that and then I start doing very quick sketches but to be honest I like to go into digital work really really quickly because I want the team to see everything from the line work to colors to even shapes as well because I really like working with silhouettes so All of them things are really important for me to share with the team. So they see my vision. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we start sharing that feedback I'm talking about, that I was talking about, and everyone's very honest. Um, And when we're happy we've got something that we know is working, that's when we go into samples. And I'm quite naughty that I ask Crispin, and he's really great with me, that I always (laughs) want to see the samples. Photographs are fantastic, but honestly, you can't beat having the thing in your hand. So he is amazing. He always sends me samples um, and I get to see things. It's so quick for me to make decisions. Um, and, and, and that's when we, we start to nitpick at things and get it ready for the final release. So we, we got, I like to think I'm not <laughs> I'm not too fussy to work with, but I just think it makes such a difference because the, the people get the best product they can get as well and and that's that's always the the truth with mr jones watches they're getting absolutely quality lovely designs Mm -hmm. do you start drawing it on paper and then draw it digitally yeah exactly i kind of draw it on paper but i will never show anyone my sketchbook it's like a two-year-old's done it i've met artists that work on paper who are amazing and i'm so envious but i just um if i can do really quick scribble scribbles it kind of works in my head that I can see the shape of things and that's really important silhouettes so um yeah. imagine Bugs Bunny like just in in a shadow like you can tell it's Bugs Bunny that's what I try to do with my characters so I want them to be really powerful in the shape of them so yeah I do really mm-hmm. quick scribbles but I'm on the computer so quickly because if, if yeah. I have to make any changes I can do it really quickly on the computer as well I can just draw over bits or I find that difficult with sketchbooks mm-hmm. so yeah do you do you wear different watches do you wear your own watches as well (laughs) I've never I've only worn my own watch once I'm so protective of them they're in the packaging one day I'm going to put them on display somewhere I've I never yeah you should frame them I'm going to put them in like like a nice watch cabinet or something I'm I've got one of every one um because I get that free which is fantastic so I'm really really lucky um I've got one of everyone. I never wear them. I'm so scared of scratching them. Um, I've got. <laughs> Do you lo- wear other watches? I've got loads of watches. Again, I don't wear them. I don't wear them. I'm so worried that I'm going to ruin them. The only one I kind of wear, and I feel so naughty wearing this. I've got an eye watch, and I feel so guilty. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if that's like really naughty to wear an eye watch, seeing that we make these beautiful watches. But I don't mind that. Getting <laughs> Practical ruined. though. Yeah, I don't mind it getting ruined, and it kind of. It does what it needs to do. It keeps me up to date with my emails. I don't have to get my phone out all the time. But um, 
yeah, if I could, I would wear a Mr. Jones watch. I, I'd probably wear the Last Laugh if I could. I'd wear that all the time. But again, I don't want to scratch anything. It's, there's too much lovely work that's gone into it. I, I, it feels like little bits of art to me. Did you buy a Mr. Jones watch before you worked with us? I, I, the first time I met you guys is when I walked past. I, I, I have to be honest, I'd never, ever heard of you. Uh, you've been around for 10 years mm-hmm. I'd ne- and I can't believe I didn't because I was looking all the time for people to work with, with to make my watch um, but yeah. regardless of that I- I'm really annoyed that I'd never come across your work I would have got in touch with you 10 years ago <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite material to work with in terms of just model making yeah in terms of anything just your um, normal practice it used to be a material called sculpey which is just this polymer clay which you um it kind of unlocked a lot for me because i always looked at people sculpting stuff and i thought how do they i'd use normal clay just bog standard clay like sticky wet clay um when i was sculpting mm-hmm. i thought how do people like touch stuff when they're sculpting and not ruin other areas and then mm-hmm. as i went to university there was this girl making a t-rex and i was like whoa what's that made of and she told me it was sculpey um, and um, it was a little bit harder to get hold of in when I was at university. I was there in 2006, and um, I might be wrong, but from my my memory, it was hard to get hold of, and people didn't really think it was okay to use in this film industry. It was not a, a proven sort of material, which it is now, and a lot of artists use that. It's just it's great because you can bake it, stick it in the oven, and, and that bit goes rock hard, and you can sculpt on top of it and then bake it again so you can work on little areas without having to ruin other areas but um it's probably mm-hmm. sculpey that's the one that unlocked a lot for me and it allowed me to um start sculpting things i don't use it as much anymore because i'm 3d printing do you sell mostly um prints or like models um i used to when i was working on a i had in my own little company called just robots which we i was just selling robots um but now it's more prints um, I'm I'm not allowed to talk too much about it, but I'm secretly for five years I've been working with a production company to bring my robots to television. Uh, hopefully Ooh. stop hope, hopefully stop motion. So I've been designing that. I've been kind of like the art director, if you would put a title on it. I've been kind of designing lots of things, and because of that, uh, we we said that I had to stop make, make selling the robots, which is completely understandable because um, if someone wants to buy mm-hmm. it one day, they need the whole package. So if a, a broadcaster would like it, we're allowing them to have the whole package. So I am still making little robots on the side. Uh, I haven't been mm-hmm. so much, but just for my own for my own sort of like need. But I might sell some soon. I've had a bunch cast up and I just need to be mm-hmm. finished and painted. So I'm going to sell some soon. But um, yeah, it's more prints I sell more prints yeah. at the moment but I haven't really been selling a lot I've been so focused on this project this tv project that I kind of thought right, I'm gonna just put all of my energy into this for now mm-hmm. do you know when that will will be released the tv be, project so you have to have the, the the nerves of steel because um it's been five years already and it's absolutely um standard that is is it could be 10 years it could be 15 years it's whenever anyone goes this is right for our channel and it's affordable as well because stop motion is quite expensive especially when you see how much crazy stuff i've been putting into it um i hadn't really mm-hmm. been thinking about the budget side of things so i've just been going crazy making all these cool sets and all these sort of like cool robots so um yeah um if someone sees it and likes it hopefully it could be soon but i'm prepared for the next when however long it takes could be 10 years who knows yeah yeah (laughs) 
have you ever wanted to go into a different career? I thought about it a million times, but I can't. I can't. I, this is this is my. It's really cheesy. This is my calling. Um, I can't mm-hmm. even if I wanted to. Uh, I've I've been doing this since I can remember. Uh, even if it is drawing or making, and when I'm not, I I get cold sweats and need to start making again. I can have a week or two off, but then I'm always thinking of stuff. Or if I'm in town or I'm around or on the internet and I see something, I'm like it inspires me a lot. So I don't think I could ever change career. I couldn't yeah if I did I wouldn't even know what I would be anyway I wouldn't have a clue I'd have to be something cool you have to be something cool yeah. like a brain surgeon or something like that I don't know <laughs> <laughs> when did you start making models uh, that was when I went to uni um yeah 2006 I reckon I'd make stuff with my dad when I was a kid he'd always help me build stuff my dad's a really good maker um mm-hmm. so he's kind of got that skill so he, I'd watch him I didn't have the energy to like hold the tools my hands were too small so I'd watch what he was doing and I kind of learn and luckily I can actually hold a pair of pliers or whatever I need to hold now so (laughs) I'm okay with that but what did your dad do my dad's an electrician and an engineer but he's just he's just one of them people who can just make anything he's just he's got a I think he's just got a really kind of creative mind and he breaks things down and he's just able to put his hand at stuff and just make stuff he's just he can he's really accurate with the kind of process from his brain to his hands it's just that's the only way I can sort of describe it where I think (laughs) a lot of people who can't make that I think they kind of struggle with that um I do a lot of the time I do by the time it gets to my hands I've kind of messed it up already but my my dad's luckily he can do that and I I learn a lot of stuff from him Mm -hmm. did you do creative other like creative subjects before you went to uni uh, yeah, I, I went to college straight after school. I d- did art at school, but I did that at, at college after school. I uh, oh, sorry, after school I went to college. Yeah, and studied just art and design. It was a lot more generic. You know, you could paint, you could be sculpting, uh, you could be, you know, it was just any area. So I kind of knew I want to just focus on the film industry. Um, at one point, mm-hmm. I was doing product design, um, and I loved that. I did enjoy that, but. I had to follow that sort of there's something really cool about making stuff and it ends up on TV and you're making really weird stuff so where you're making monsters or cool props and things like that so yeah that's what I wanted to do and that's what yeah so I did a couple of subjects but um I I knew straight away it was just only time I just had to go through the steps to get to where I needed to go I always sort of knew where I wanted to go yeah were you drawing robots and monsters in like A-level art no 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 not at all no that's really weird no I was, I was doing <laughs> I was doing rubbish stuff I was doing like GCSE like a picture of my face it's so boring I didn't yeah I, I was drawing little things but I ne- I didn't think it was I was allowed to do it for like a serious exam if that makes sense mm-hmm. I thought I'd, this is they'd you know tell me off or I'd be you know told you're not allowed to do this it's not uh, appropriate but um I drew him like secretly in my own little you know sketchbook <laughs> in English I just spent ages during the doing the drawing side of things rather than the writing and then the teacher went the drawing's mm-hmm. fantastic but you haven't done any writing and I'd be like oh, okay <laughs> there we go so you always you always knew your direction yeah I it was just a matter of time it's like I I, I had a sort of vision in my head that you're going to do this when you're older you just need to mm-hmm. wait through the years to do it now when you're allowed to that was kind of the thing mm-hmm. So, um, that's good that's I, most I people don't should have, have tried harder at school though I really regret it but at the same time it is what it is and 
I'm 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 kind of picking up on my math skills now, I guess, <laughs> which is important. <laughs> I'm meant to be making stuff, and I I'm meant to be really accurate with measurements and stuff, and I'm rubbish, and I have to always take a little bit longer. Are you? Why Why do you need to be accurate with measurements? Well, I guess if you're building something to scale, or you get some blueprints from someone, or mm-hmm. you know, if you're making something, um, the amount of t- I made a massive error, and I sent stuff off to print. And I got all the measurements wrong. And I was like, why is it costing me so much money to print it? You know, it's not that big. <laughs> it came back. It was huge. I had this massive thing. It was like, great. Well done. Well done, Honoria. That's really good <laughs> use of time and money, isn't it? So, um, is that when you realise you need to brush up on your That's it. Yeah, you're skill. like, well done. That's why the teachers were really strict with you, trying to get you to be better at maths. But um, you know what? Things like that are good. I always put them down as, as just um, mistakes, which are really important to make anyway. It's really good to make mistakes. So that's the way I, I kind of get out of it. Um, yeah, I think art and design is about trial and error oh, anyway. Definitely. Yeah, and people's feedback's really important. Um, I'm terrible at taking feedback. I get really upset. I don't try not to show it. People have said to me, you can read it on my face, but I try not to show it. But especially when we're designing stuff like the watches, if you don't get the Mm -hmm. feedback, you're not going to get the best design. And I'll tell you something, I'm sure people out there will tell you if they like something or not, whether or not they buy it or just when they get it or if it might stop them from buying it, if they don't like it, they're just like, this isn't for me. But if something's mm-hmm. weak in terms of the artwork, um, people aren't going to care if they upset you, they'll say it. So it's to me, it's always better for people, especially when we're designing stuff, the feedback, if something's weak or something's not working, let's say it and let's make it better. And it might hurt for mm-hmm. a little bit, but once you kind of sit down and redraw it, you get that buzz, you get like, yes, it's so much better. It was worth it so um, mm-hmm. what are release days like for you do you watch the uh, sales I'm really really excited when they come out and I'm watching I know it doesn't matter how many sell on the day but you secretly look and you're going oh my god they go people are going crazy they're buying them all it's fantastic and yeah get, we're all watching them the same yeah <laughs> and I phoned Crispin on Roboto she I phoned him I had to phone him and just say this is like I just had to thank him it was really bad he's probably thinking I'm crazy but I just thought I need to thank Crispin for giving me so the opportunity to do this because uh they put a lot, you guys put a lot of trust in me I guess designing stuff for your company um and I always mm-hmm. feel really really privileged to be able to be a part of the team and yeah I have to phone Crispin and just tell him like oh this is doing great thank you you know and uh, it's just yeah. it's it's lovely to to see people enjoying the watches and and sharing the pictures with us and um and and just lovely positive things to say and even the negatives if they say negative things which there haven't been any to be honest I've, I've seen the, maybe a couple but if they did and it's normally to do with the artwork my artwork but um I, I, it's okay it will make the it'll, it'll just spur me on it'll make it sh- you know it, it take a positive from it that's what I try to do um so mm-hmm. um yeah but there hasn't been any negativity it's all been great um uh, yeah. so yeah it's lovely it's really 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 nice do you get a lot of like love on social media from Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones watches fans? Yeah, I do, I do, and especially like when we get to um recently due to the sort of lockdown, we um put some color your own sort of uh, sketches up, and it's lovely seeing people people get involved with that, and I, I kind of have to keep reminding myself like this means it means a lot to people. Like you have this thing on your wrist every day, you know, if you wear it religiously. Um, some people just wear them on occasions which is lovely as well they've got all your collections and depending on what mood they're in that day 
they might wear something really fun or something with a bit more serious message to it or something that's just beautiful the way it looks so um yeah i get a lot of enjoyment and um a lot of really nice feedback on the social media side of things and people they have them all over the world as well which is absolutely crazy Um, and all different Mm -hmm. professions i think there was a dentist who's got one of the watchful ones and i just think that's so cool like especially if he's ever doing like i just have these little scenarios in my head maybe he's got like a little kid who's scared to (laughs) you know have his teeth looked at today and maybe that that watch will you know bring a little bit of a laugh to the the kid yeah i don't know or maybe just himself i don't know it's just it's, it's really cool do you have a favorite watch that you've designed yeah it's number cruncher it's definitely number cruncher mm-hmm. yeah that one there kind of uh, the feedback from that um and it was just crazy it was i wasn't expecting it at all especially because mm-hmm. i think my design is quite different to other people's other artists designs mine's a lot more sort of silly in terms of the way that other people's are really serious and really beautiful and i kind of wish mine were a bit like that at times but um the number crunch was really really different and i was i still was surprised i was allowed to do it in a way because it, it's a lot different but um yeah that one's it's so much fun and um it's uh the, the way it's made and the, the amount of colors that went involved were involved as well I, again i didn't ever think of things like that but the process that there's a lot of work that goes into it and um the the team did a, a brilliant job um the, the, again the printing and the artworks just it's so accurate and if you've never held a mr jones watching your hands before and you get the opportunity to um the photos are brilliant don't get me wrong but when you've got them in the in your hand that it's just it's it's crazy how small things are and how accurate mm-hmm. they are so yeah it's number funny that you say it's funny that you say that you're surprised that you're allowed to draw yeah. it because i think the diversity of watches that our brand sells is like what makes it successful yeah oh definitely yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah, you're absolutely right um I don't know maybe it's just I don't have a lot of confidence in myself (laughs) but um yeah no uh, yeah I'm so grateful to be a part of your company um because like you say that it's it's it spreads over so much diversity in the in the kind of artwork and yeah I'm I'm part of that group now which is it's fantastic Mm -hmm. how did you come up did you come up for with the idea for the watchful ones or was it did crispin come to you first that was crispin Crispin, again he'd had a new mechanism that he wanted to try out with the kind of the the two circles um and again really really lucky he sent me an email saying we you know we'd like to work with you on this can you we'd seen some of your little monsters and can we come up with it so he set it out and then when I went to visit he'd had a sample that he'd already drawn out and made so he could sort of show me but from there I was like right say no more leave it to me sort of thing and I'll, I'll come up with loads of different characters um it'd be nice actually we I, I saw some that I'd we'd never released images of before so I might speak to the to the team and see if they want to release some you know old because I did so many different characters and there was ones that were like they were stuck in the glass and they had their little hands on the glass um and we'd done it so it looked like the the actual fingertips were pressed up against the glass so that was quite cute but um yeah yeah I just come up with the the sort of expressions Crispin was again with the feedback really good at telling me to be more experimental with the shape of the eyes to make each version different because I was just giving circles I was just drawing circles and he said he was saying no 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 let's let's try and 
you know really experiments oval shapes or if they've got like eyelids and things like that so again his sort of um um leadership in terms of you know being being at the top of the project and sort of seeing no 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 we need to try a bit try pushing it out a bit more was brilliant because we come up with these really expressive little characters that if it was up to me they'd all have that same expression they'd look different but they'd all have the same kind of at least the same eye shapes so um mm -hmm. crispin was uh brilliant at pushing pushing that project and yeah so um i guess it was a little bit of a little bit of a, a you know a nice collaboration bit of bit of me and and then him just pushing me a bit more which is which is what i need do you have a favorite watching that series uh yeah it's probably the me the little yellow sort of yeah. nappy wearing monster mine was the twins the twins oh cool cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent excellent um at that we messed about with the size of the monsters as well at one point the me was huge like this massive thing um but eventually mm -hmm. we kind of ended up going with um the yeti kind of character being the biggest monster was there any particular like inspiration for that project like was there like a family for the back of the watch as well the engraving was really cool wasn't it oh thank you yeah again that's crispin um I looked at the watch engraving and I come up with this idea and I always try to do research on the internet to see that or, or books and things like that to see that I'm not accidentally copying anything because you can draw something and then someone will call you out and say it looks like this so I'm always mm -hmm. trying to do that before I get that I, I, you know I get that opportunity that, that situation coming my way but luckily I had drawn something and I looked and looked and looked and I found it on Monsters Inc. Is it the school one, university or whatever it's called? Their little slogan was the very similar to the idea I was coming up with to the back of our watch. Um, so luckily I I'd seen that and thought, right, don't go down that route. And then I tried some other things out and I think I gave quite a few options to the team and they'd picked out the eye and made it very, very simple and with the uh, with the little crown on top. So um, yeah, we kind of we kind of uh, dodged a bullet there in a way that I could have accidentally submitted something that was very similar to something that's very mm -hmm. popular and out there. But unless you look for it, you, I wouldn't have remembered that crest from Monsters, Inc. It's only because I went looking yeah. for it. But if someone's a diehard fan of Monsters, Inc., they'd call me out on that straight away and go, you copied that. And that would never be my intention because it's the worst thing I could have done. Um, yeah, because you take you take inspiration from loads of things, and sometimes you don't know where you got ideas from. Definitely, so it is a good idea to do that. Definitely, so like our, our little family of monsters, you could almost compare it to the Adams family, where everyone's got their own unique little habit uh, characteristic. So there's lots of inspiration in terms of the group, but um, I try to be as as um, original as I could with them. If I, you know, just by giving them really weird. Um, uh like jobs as well so um the really messy guy the little green guy he's uh, he, he likes playing polo things like that you know it's kind of doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really character or, or he's a chess yeah. champion sort of thing so do you always when you're designing do you always have like a story about the character in the back of your head i never used to until i started this tv show i always used to like it being that i'd give you no story so that you could make up you the consumer could make up or whatever you wanted for them um i preferred mm -hmm. that I, I sometimes if i find something like a like a collectible toy i try to not know anything about it i want it i want it to be my own sort of imagination that gives that 
character, its life. Um, but I understand, obviously, that you know um, people set, buy into characters they buy into person personality uh, per, you know um, personas so if something's very similar to what you're like you're going to love it even more you know it's going to have that connection so i try to when i'm designing now i do try to give them a little a little bit of a backstory or even a name i think a name is quite important so yeah i try to put mm-hmm. that in, in in play as quickly as i can now yeah i think storytelling it's a big part of Mr. Jones Watches as well. Definitely, definitely. And that was, again, the narrative of Number Cruncher, as simple as it is, just by putting them little hidden things like the little skull or the little taxi um, mm-hmm. in, in there, just it just gave it a, a lovely little story. You just knew that this thing was eating everything, not just numbers. <laughs> did you come up with the name Number Cruncher? I think I did. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I'm not going to take any credit for it straight off the bat, but I think I did. I think I was, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. I was just looking and always, again, like you're saying, when I was designing, I was like, this thing's going to have to have a name at the end. Cause I was looking at all your other watches and it's like, yeah, they've all got these great names. What can I call it? And mm-hmm. yeah, I think I called it the number cruncher. And then yeah. Chris was like, get rid of the, it was almost like a bit of a, <laughs> the social media bit where he says, get rid of the Facebook, call it Facebook. So, yeah, I think we, we just said number cruncher. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to add to the interview? No, I, think that, I think we've covered more or less everything. I've been babbling on, but I think we've covered <laughs> No, you haven't. It's Have been not. great. Thank you. Okay, brilliant. No, thank you so much for the opportunity. And, um, yeah, hopefully we get to make another watch together if people want to see that and... Um, Hopefully I'm we get sure to you will. That. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's always fun. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you so much. It's been nice talking to you. It's really interesting to find out how Honorio creates amazing artworks and how he found his trade. I hope you enjoyed finding out what goes on behind the scenes and the work that goes into designing a watch. You can see Honorio's work over on his website www.honoriodepiro.com or on his Instagram page at honoriodepiro. Thanks for listening. We have a new episode coming out every Wednesday. Until then, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Mr. Jones Watches.